Hello and welcome to episode 56 of the Ego Chow Podcast. My name is Preston Byers and as always I'm joined by my co-host Justin Binkowski and on today's episode we have another Roster Mania edition of the show. Uh, obviously no games to talk about in the offseason but um, some pretty big roster moves uh, were announced over the past week since we did our last episode um, including Atlanta Faze, uh, the Minnesota Rocker and we have uh, some other rumors and confirmation uh, from some other teams around the league uh, but before we do any of that how are you doing bank i'm doing all right ready to hop right in yeah let's talk uh the atlanta phase and the los angeles gorillas kind of um connected in this um RCDs, we talked about it last week that there was uh reports that RCDs, who uh obviously won the 2021 cdl championship with atlanta phase uh went to the grand finals of the 2022 cdl championship uh with atlanta phase he is moving to the los angeles gorillas and slasher who i believe i i said he might be a potential uh replacement for rc's last week uh he has been confirmed as rc's replacement um in you know an incredible roster and i tweeted about it i said that this is like one of the greatest opportunities slashers could, slasher could get to play alongside three of the most talented players in call of duty history and now uh we get to see what that lineup will be like um let's talk about the phase aspect of it because we did spend quite a bit of time talking about rcds and lag uh last week but um, what are your thoughts on the slasher uh, part of this, him joining uh, a BZ Simp and Selim on the Atlanta phase roster? Yeah, so I think we talked about it a little bit last episode, but I was viewing it more as like a lateral change just because um, I, I feel like from the outside looking in, RCDs and slashers, RCD and slasher are, are similar players in type terms of role and leadership aspect and all that stuff um potentially even slasher's leadership style could be harsher than our cities which um is another interesting aspect that could play a role in examining how phase does uh this upcoming season but yeah i just i i still don't really know how i feel about this i felt like the only reason i don't want to say reasonable because i really didn't think atlanta needed to make a change obviously seems like there was some behind the scenes stuff that um we don't explicitly know about that could have made this more likely to happen than we were led on led to believe but i felt like especially it seemed like selium wanted to go to the main ar role now with slasher joining the team that doesn't fix this because unless we see slasher mm -hmm. do something he has not done throughout his career mostly maybe in ghost he'd ran a sub for a little bit or aw i don't really know but um we we haven't seen slasher be a player capable of uh I'm not saying he's incapable of it so we just haven't really seen slasher be a flex player um which would mean selium is going to most likely be the flex instead of the main ar with this uh roster and it felt like that was one of the things part of the community was expecting phase to address when there was discussions of this change possibly happening with RCDs possibly being replaced. It seemed like names like Cami as a flex, even though he's, well, not anymore, but there was talks of him potentially moving to be a main AR. Um, 
players like that were potentially being discussed so that Selingham could be the main AR. And then I even said someone like Sid with his history of being a sub for Atlanta phases um, and stuff like that. He would have been a really good fix if, or not fix, but uh, a really good flex if Atlanta were able to acquire him from Seattle, which clearly they didn't. So um, I still have a lot of questions and concern. I don't think concerns again is the right word because I still think this is a super talented roster. Slasher's mm-hmm. a really good player. Um, I think maybe if anything, it helps them a little bit in respawns more. Um, I think of you know what when I'm thinking of Arcides and Slasher, I think of Slasher as more of a um, a better hardpoint player, even though he did have. Really good performance in search this year with the Gorillas, most notably on like that 13 map streak, or I think it was 13 maps at Major Two. Um, I could be off on that total number, but he played. He was playing a lot of S and D eights this year with uh, Gorillas, and I think it was even with Tupac, so or against him. So um, maybe there's a connection there that could develop or and help Slasher and Phase as a whole uh, in S and D moving into this next year. Um, but yeah, I still I just have a lot of questions about how this team is going to work and function. Still think they're going to be really good, but this is definitely something that is going to be interesting to watch, and certainly are going to be storylines every time we see Faves versus LAG now. Yeah, I I think um, with Slasher replacing RCs, it's like it is kind of a lateral move in terms of skill. I would say like there's not a you know, you're not going to Slasher instead of RCDs because you think like, oh, Slasher is going to be like a thousand times better in Hardpoint or he's going to be a thousand times better in Search. I mean, really, like it seems at least like from the outside, obviously, maybe there's uh, some differences within the team that, you know, the reasons why they feel Slasher is the, the better player for them. But from my view, it would be that he's a more outspoken leader. Like there is... Like, he has a reputation to be kind of like, I don't want to say like old school, but like Aches and Crim6 have the reputation of being kind of harsh on teammates, very demanding of their teammates because they expect to win. Slasher, a former world champion, nearly a two-time world champion, uh, losing to Optic um, in 2017, uh, losing to, who they lose? Lost to E-United, right? Um, so... I mean, he had the opportunity. He went to three champs grand finals. Um, and I think his team with uh, OGLA, I think they overperformed with how many roster changes and, you know, how they had to go from benching Dashi to bringing in Chino. Like, I think they overperformed. And I think part of that is because of Slasher. So he hasn't had the most success the past two, three years. But I feel like he is a great fit for teams and i think of him kind of like i thought of jcap even at the end of his career like jcap was probably not as skilled as he was he definitely wasn't as skilled uh later in his career as he was earlier because i mean i didn't watch uh, black ops one competitively but he's regarded as one of the greatest black ops one players he was also very good in you know modern warfare 3 and black ops 2 um and his teams had great success whereas slasher he really thrived like in black ops 3 in aw where 
he was kind of a do-it-all player and an incredible AR player. I don't know if he is at that stage anymore where you can expect him to be the best player on his team, but he doesn't need to be the best player on his team now. He can be comfortably the f the worst player on his team like from a st uh, statistical standpoint, and that's perfectly fine. Like He probably should have a higher KD than Abizi just because of like Abizi's role and uh, Slasher's you know, what we think his role will be. But uh, all in all, I think this is more of a, a team aspect, trying to improve maybe the chemistry or the in-game calling, the kind of the leadership of this team. And maybe that's what FaZe needed. They didn't need another player like, say, Dashy. There were rumors that he would be going to FaZe in that 24-hour period when he seemed that he was getting dropped from Optic. People were trying to put him in Arsty's place. Maybe they don't need someone like that. Maybe they need someone that will kind of ring them by the neck and say, like, hey, do this. Like, I don't want to hear anything different. Be very demanding. Be very direct. I think that is a, a possibility for Slasher, and I'm really interested to see what he's able to do with this roster because... I tweeted it like this is the probably the most talented trio of Call of Duty players in history. Like a BZ Simp and Selim are three legitimate MVP candidates. Obviously, Selim and Simp have won MVP. A BZ was like like a one A one B MVP candidate last season or like in twenty twenty one, and he kind of took a dip this year, and so did Simp in in uh, in a part uh, partial ways. But these are incredible players, and I feel like with slasher who kind of reminds me of you know clay on e united um there might be some just leadership things that need to happen for this team for them to take that next step and get to another championship uh and kind of reclaim what they had in 2021 um but um yeah i'm really pumped to see how slasher does now that he's on a team with this much talent it really is it could be you know a turning point in his career just uh, the way people look at his legacy or so like if he struggles with this team some people uh might doubt you know like he's he's one of those players and a lot of uh fans and community members opinions who's like on the fringe of like some of the top 10 lists or whatever that people do um so th this is a really good opportunity for him to further improve his legacy at the same time if the roster doesn't pan out it, it could you know damage his reputation so definitely going to be interested to see how it pans out I, I mean I, I could see too at the same time like this his more you know leadership style like you were saying could um could well, who knows that could be exactly what sell a BZ and simp need but on the same page they, they you know it could backfire and um, they could butt heads like we've been saying and um, could lead to some results that we haven't seen from the Atlanta phase organization and the CDL. So uh, definitely all eyes going to be on how this roster performs in 2023. I, I think you have a really good point uh, in that. What if phase gets like fourth at the first major or something like that, you know, like something kind of out of the ordinary for this team. If that happens, he's going to be the scapegoat almost almost assuredly right um because he's the new guy even if it's not his fault like uh, i mean 
it's it's everybody's fault. It's like there are four players on a team. If you guys fail to win, it's everybody's fault because there are so few players that like it's not like a football team like where you'd be like okay like one person didn't do their job. It's like no, this is you know you have twenty five percent like responsibility each player does. Um, like if one player doesn't do their job, like it's probably the 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 entire team didn't do their job. Like Call of Duty is so connected like that. Um, and Slasher probably will be scapegoated if things don't go according to plan. Uh, and as far as like his legacy, um, I think his reputation will definitely take a hit. And this will be like his last chance to be on this kind of a caliber of a team if he does, you know, quote unquote fail on this stage. Because we kind of saw it with the subliners this past season with Crim6 and Clayster. Um, you know, Clayster got benched during the season and I, he, he said that he's having trouble getting picked up by another team. Uh, Crim6 has also said the same thing that there isn't a lot of interest for him. And I think part of that reason is like things didn't go as well as they could have with the subliners and that has kind of lingered and made players and you know other teams organizations kind of hesitant to bring those players into their own organization um, even if that's not totally fair obviously because I think the same thing happened with Aches um, you know some people kind of rub other players the wrong way or just the way that they go about trying to win can make their reputation among their fellow players uh, a lot worse. And, you know, we saw it with Aix. As soon as Aix wasn't winning, he was kind of out of the league and there wasn't a whole lot of interest in him. Um, and I think we could see the same for Slasher, although I have a little more faith um, over the next, you know, whatever, one or two seasons that he'll stay in the league. But um, it's very possible that uh, he kind of, you know, if things don't go well, he he really takes the biggest hit of of them all out of this phase team. Um, we should touch on the Arsties stuff just to kind of wrap up what we were talking about last season or last week, excuse me. Um, so he officially joined the Los Angeles Gorillas uh, for the 2023 season on a three-year contract, according to LAG. Um, uh, LAG also announced that uh, Neptune Spart. And Hook will be joining Arsides in the starting lineup for uh, the Gorillas next season, um, which is uh, the roster that uh, LAG had, um, excluding uh, obviously Slasher, who is moving to phase. Um, so Spart and Arsides are on three-year deals. Uh, any thoughts? Uh, I know we did talk about you know the rumors and the reports of this uh, roster last week, but do you have any kind of lasting thoughts uh, now that it's uh, finally official? Yeah, I think the well, I think there are a couple interesting elements to it. First off, um, the three-year deals is certainly uh, interesting. I believe that's a new, um, as of this technical league season or whatever you want to say. Um, I, I believe this this off season was the first time that CDL teams were able to sign. And I believe it's a two, like a two plus one instead of the one plus yeah, one deal. Yes, it is. Um, so technically Arsides and Spart become the first players to sign those deals as far as we know, at least publicly. Mm -hmm. um, so that's pretty cool. Um, does it mean a lot in the long run? Not really, just because we, you know, you could very easily, in, in you see it a lot in League of Legends. That's the thing that sticks out to me. Like you saw guys like Perks and Sword Art. I know some of our COD fans might not know these names, but uh, Perks and Sword Art are two uh, respectively uh, very successful 
League of Legends pros from Europe and um, overseas. I, I, I don't, I think Sword Art played for a Chinese team before coming to TSM. Uh, anyway, getting off topic, uh, my point is they, they signed very lucrative and long-term deals that each only ended up lasting for one season. So even though they signed multi-year deals, they didn't ever, you know, see the full extent of those contracts be met or the terms of the contract. So that could be another situation here with LAG, right? Like if LAG struggled to start the season, a three-year deal doesn't mean much if, if Spart and or our cities uh, get dropped or traded or something like that. So um, although it's cool in theory, it, it might not actually be a situation where signing a, a two plus one deal means that we see these players uh, guaranteed stick on LAG for that amount of time. Um, I think that's worth mentioning, although it is, his, you know, for the historical significance and uh, moving forward in terms of job security and contracts in the CDL overall, I think it's it's a good move in the right direction. Yeah, so Sword Art signed a $6 million deal, and he left after one year. Yeah. Um, And Um, I would just say, to kind of illustrate your point for, it's a good thing for the players, definitely, that they have, like, the security. Even if RCDs and Spart are not on the starting roster for LAG after this season, they... Most likely, maybe uh, de- I, I guess it depends on the the contractual language of the of it all. But they should be able to make money at least for the next two seasons after this one, which is probably a good thing. At least for next season, I think um, it would really depend on what happens in that year three, whether a team would try to pick up their option. But um, I think any kind of long term security for these players who especially Spart was kind of shuffled in and out of this LAG roster this season, like having that kind of, you know, I, I, I keep saying security, but just kind of like that cushion to be like, okay, at least I will be getting paid for another year or another two years. Um, do you have any other thoughts on the LAG stuff before we move on to Minnesota? Yeah, I just think it, it's, I find it extremely interesting that, LAG is not bringing in our cities to play alongside three fourths of the team they ended the season with. So he's going to be playing with Hook, uh, Spartan Neptune, that it was Slasher, Hook, Spartan Neptune that ended the season with LAG. Um, although we didn't see them play a lot of matches together, I believe it, it would have been either six or seven, depending on if they started to win in the winner's bracket of major four. But I don't think they did because I'm pretty sure they struggled in the major four qualifiers starting the loser's bracket. Mm-hmm. No, I think they did play seven because I think they reverse swept the uh, one in Royal Ravens in the first round of the loser's bracket. So regardless, they played six or seven matches together as a team of four, didn't qualify for champs. And, the team is sticking with three fourths of those players and uh, bringing in a new AR with RCD. So I think that's interesting. Could um, the, the organization must believe in Hook, Spart, and Neptune and just their talent and hoping that it meshes and they're able to find a formula success for success in Vanguard or in uh, Modern Warfare 2. So um, that that's. Well, you know, I I think after the organization announced that it was extending those players, I was just under the assumption that the team was going to look for trades for multiple players. Um, I I didn't think it was going to stick with 
three out of the four of the roster to end the season despite signing that extension. So um, we'll, we'll just have to see what happens. It's a lot of talent on paper. Um, it's just going to come down to, I think, finding the right coaching staff to help try and bring it out of those guys because obviously with Bevels moving on and Ricky transitioning roles, LAG has said they're looking for a brand new coaching staff. So um, that's a pretty big opportunity for, I mean, a name that jumps out immediately to me is someone like Parasite who's said that he's looking to go into coaching. Um, I feel like as, as a first time coach, you can't really ask for a more talented roster to, uh, build around right at the start of a, a coaching career like that you know aside from like getting to be Crowder when phase is first forming like uh, there's a lot of talent on this LAG team and it would be a really good opportunity for someone like Parasite but then you could also go down the route of another coach in the, who's already in the CDL looking to make a move to a team so um, I just think yeah there's potential with this roster is just going to come down to uh, whether they're able to actualize and, and meet their full potential in the upcoming season. I wonder if a, a, a part of the reason why they're kind of running it back LAG with this, you know, part of their roster when they didn't really have any success. Um, I wonder if it's just like a money thing, you know, because they did sign Neptune mid season. I would assume he's on the minimum or close to it. Um, you know, they didn't, uh, they didn't. Des- uh, they decided not to uh, keep um, Gunless uh, with his team option. So maybe they saved some money there. Uh, they were able to, uh, uh, you know, presumably um, get some money back for Slasher, or you know, kind of a deal in the sense that uh, RCDs came in, Slasher came went out, and maybe they were able to get some money in that part. Um, and I would assume that Hook is on like kind of a big deal because he he is a world champion. Um, he was on the uh, the Thieves last year. I feel like he's probably worth quite a bit of money, um, at least like on the potential. Like I, I go back to the Nade Shot quote about like how he's kind of the future, and you do anything to get Hook. And obviously, a lot of things have changed since then, but I still think that he's probably worth uh, quite a bit. And then with Spart, like he was probably definitely on the minimum last season when they won a major with him. And I would assume that he's not on the minimum anymore if they're signing him to a a three-year deal. But it could also just be the simple fact that he's a lot easier to, it's a lot easier to re-sign a player that you have a connection with and you have history with than going out and trying to sign a free agent um, and maybe getting leveraged like uh, what I think happened with Hydra and a few other teams in the CDL at the moment. Um, so I, I, maybe it's a, a money thing. I'm, I'm not sure, but um, it should be uh, intriguing to see what happens with this roster and see if uh, RCDs is uh, quite a bit of an upgrade over Slasher who played with most of this roster last season. Uh, let's move on to the Minnesota Rocker. Um, they had teased their roster and I wasn't actually sure, uh, if they were going to be able to kind of get a good team, like season one of the CDL, the rocker had a really promising, like first half of the season and then COVID hit and really ruined their season because they just weren't very good online. Um, season two, uh, I think they, uh, had some potential, 
um, and obviously uh, had this incredible uh, major five win, I believe, um, which was you know the greatest comeback in COD history. And this season, they were very middle of the road, nothing too special about them, all things considered. Uh, but this uh, coming season, I think they have a ton of potential. Um, they signed, uh, they re-signed Attach, who was an unrestricted free agent, which is, in my opinion, a huge win for the Minnesota Rocker. And they're pairing him with Cami, Bance, and Afro. So Cami and Bance, obviously coming from the Toronto Ultra, Afro, um, formerly of the London Royal Ravens. Let's get your thoughts on this because this is a, a really good roster on paper, in my opinion. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I, I really like the composition of this team. I uh, wish it wasn't majority EU, and now that the the EU players are spreading out to more franchises, but uh, all jokes aside, I, I really like uh, what the Rocker did here, I think. Um, keeping attached seemed like a priority for the organization. It makes sense from a competition and a franchise standpoint. And what I mean by that is just based on his performance uh, with an AR this year in particular, it makes sense to give attached the opportunity heading in the next year to be a main AR. And he's also just a good personality face of the franchise on and off the, the server. So I think that was a really smart move bringing in Cami. Uh, gives them some flexibility there too in case for whatever reason MW2 comes out, Attach uh, likes the sub better, you know, Attach can be a flex and Cami can move to the main AR because it seems like there was talk about him potentially wanting to be a main AR uh, heading into this year. So uh, that gives them some flexibility too. And then with Bance and Afro, I feel like that's a really good opportunity for uh, Afro to grow even more just because we've seen so much potential with him. Uh, maybe Bance is able to part some wisdom on him. And who knows, you know, Bance is, uh, you know, I hate to say getting up there in age, but he's got to be one of the older players in the league now. So, um, you know, he, he knows what he's doing. And I, I mean, obviously Afro had zero to play with, but that's like different positions uh, or roles comparatively. So, uh, having like an SMG duo who's older to maybe like more directly give SMG centric uh, knowledge and tips and stuff like that to Afro could help Afro in the long run as well. So I, I really like what Minnesota did here. I think this is a team that, that could compete and, um, you know, obviously it's going to be tough to hang with some of these other teams uh, just, you know, based on, uh, LA Thieves end of the season run and, you know, talent on phase and optic, you, you got to put Rocker behind those three teams, in my opinion, but uh, they're, they're an upper middle, middle of this pack team, in my opinion, right now. If I told you that Bance was younger than Attach, would you believe me? I would be surprised. Yeah, he is. He is 24, Attach is 25. I think it's because Attach looks like the the 18 year old kid that he came in as and Bance grew a beard probably that's probably the, the Bance biggest is really tall too he's taller than me yeah I, I mean he's been competing for forever too so yeah I apologize for you know saying Bance might be older <laughs> I was just I was kind of curious because I I feel the same way like some of these players feel like they've been around a long time and 
feel just kind of older, like in a sense. Like I, I feel like Slasher is in the same boat. Obviously, he is one of the older players, yeah. but like he feels like kind of of a different generation of COD. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I just found it interesting um, that Bance, like he did. He does feel like he's been around forever, and it's because he's been kind of at the top of of Call of Duty, kind of since Splice, really. Like, yeah. um, so he's it, that's almost you know six, like five, six years ago at this point, which honestly makes me feel old. Uh, but I, uh, going back to this Rocker roster, I just you know I I think this is just a good move, like Minnesota. I was kind of curious whether they could actually build a roster that is legitimately competitive for like a championship because that is their stated goal. It's not to, you know, uh, I believe it was Brett Diamond, the COO of um, the Minnesota Rocker in version one. He said like our goal isn't to like try to compete to get into the championship like they were trying to do this season, but we're trying to win championships. And uh, to do that, you have to, put out a good roster uh, like we've seen with phase they have an incredible roster and they're uh, always able to compete or just be around uh, the top of the cdl um the los angeles thieves uh, i i said it before um this past season even started that like on paper this roster is really really good and it took them a little bit it took them several months to figure it out but once they figured it out they were the only team to win two events um and there are different teams. Optic is obviously at the very top of um, you know the list as far as like having so much talent and the ability to win championships. But like with Optic, it actually has to happen. Things have to come together. Kind of have to get lucky sometimes. Obviously, Optic got very unlucky with the Illy injury this past season. Um, I don't kind of foresee that happening with Minnesota uh, per se, but. Um, I, I think that this is a really good move by the Rocker and it probably puts them in like the top half of the CDL uh, in terms of like on paper rosters or like rumored rosters uh, that we're hearing about. Um, so, uh, you know, kudos to Minnesota and they even have their coaching staff locked up. Um, so th- uh, that's a really good thing. LAG don't have that. Like you mentioned, LAG looking for uh, a new coaching staff, Minnesota. That was their first move was to announce that their entire coaching staff was returning, um, which I think uh, continuity in the coaching staff and kind of like analysts and whatnot, that's always a good thing. Just being able to have a like a system and having kind of rapport, obviously attached coming back. Um, so I, I think Minnesota probably had a, like a, an, if I had to put their off-season moves like on a grade scale, I'd say it's an A. Like they did everything that they needed to do. Like they weren't going to get like Hydra and uh, a BZ and um, like and Dashy and Scump. Like it, that probably wasn't going to happen. But uh, with what they were able to do, um, they did about as well as anyone could. I didn't. I must have missed the the coaching announcement too. I I didn't see that. But I I know I talked last season. Uh, very highly of Looney just because of 
uh, his style of play as a player and as an in-game leader, I, I thought he would be able to seamlessly transition uh, into a coaching role. And it seems like, you know, obviously if he's being extended to stick around with Minnesota for another season, um, it seems like Minnesota was happy with him in his first year as a coach. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he's able to continue to do. Uh, I'm assuming him and Saint uh, working together. It's a pretty good duo for a coaching staff. Um, and I'll just say to, to re-correct myself from earlier, uh, numerical age aside, Vance has a lot of valuable experience and years of competing in Call of Duty that can uh, be very beneficial for Afro to learn from. Yeah, and also it's it's a great thing to have some chemistry with another player on the team. And, you know, Afro and Bantz are both uh, from England, so, like, I, I don't think that is. But Cammy and Bantz, being on the Ultra the past few seasons, they do have some chemistry, obviously. Um, and I think that's important because it makes it less of a transition or it kind of reduces the transition time for this team because two players already have um, history with each other and they're able to kind of bring that into their new team. Um, we saw that with Havoc saying, like, I'd rather uh, midseason coming in. He's, he didn't want to come into New York without Kismet. He wanted to come in with someone he knew, someone he knew he could play alongside. And uh, I think it's a good idea to bring... A, half of a really successful Toronto Ultra roster into the fold for Minnesota. Um, let's talk about methods because this was a like there was a rumor that it could be Clayster uh, joining the Boston Breach, um, but Methods uh, tweeted out this is five days ago now. Uh, Boston, we go again. Um, Boston is bringing back uh, Methods for their 2023 roster. Um, I think, like, personally, I think this is a good move. Uh, Methods is also a great person to build around, like, at, from, like, a personality standpoint as, like, a, a cornerstone of your franchise because he's honestly one of the, like, the most charismatic players in the entire league. And Boston, for the first half of the season, looked like a top-four team, a top-five team at, at worst. Um, they just weren't able to get over that hump, but... Um, you know, they, they've had some roster changes and with the rumored roster that they have, I think, um, there's, uh, you know, definitely a lot of good things that could be coming this season, but what do you think about methods, um, returning to the Boston breaches starting lineup? Yeah, I, I think you just, did you just mention clay by name? Yeah. When you were just talking about that? Yeah. yeah. So, um, that would be a very tough decision. I feel like for any organization to make if it was actually like a decision between clay and methods mm -hmm. um you gotta think like both players in, in i i mean undoubtedly clay has you know a, a better legacy than methods and is an all-time great but you know taking personal accolades out of it like both players uh, kind of bring the same thing to the table in terms of being valuable to an organization in game and out of game. Mm. Um, Clay and might do it a little differently, being more, you know, he doesn't stream as much as methods or anything like that, but he he knows what you're supposed to do to represent an organization and stuff like that. So um, that would have been a really tough decision if that actually was a decision Boston had to make. But I I do agree that uh, methods is is. A, a good choice in the sense that, like I was just saying, he he brings value to a franchise on and off the server. So um, it'll be interesting to see. I believe 
did they officially announce they extended Nero and Vivid, or was that just part of one of the rumors? Um, it might have just been part of one of the rumors. Um, regardless, though, if that is what uh, Boston is doing here, um, that seems to make sense, just because we saw Boston have good success, and, and Nero and Vivid seem to work well together towards the end of the season. Um keeping methods behind them. You get a flex in there. Uh, that's a pretty solid roster on paper. So uh, we'll be interesting to see what Boston does to round it out. You know, this is really their first full off season to have an opportunity to do, to sign many more players than they had a chance to even talk to last off season. So uh, we'll see what they're able to pull off. Now that we mentioned Clayser, I feel like we should bring him up because he was a part of the rumored roster for Boston in place of methods. Uh, but, obviously that isn't happening or you know if if it is like it's a a weird roster or one of them's not starting um but Clayser tweeted earlier today uh the grief this last week has made everything else seem insignificant and i've neglected to secure employment for next year looking like playing is chalk due to offers falling through if anyone has a job opportunity let me know and i'll get back to you as soon as i can um, he said he was willing to come down, come considerably down on his salary and contract terms, um, but he got absolutely hoed by a certain team, basically offering me, offering and me passing up teams to then have that team go in a different direction. Um, still holding out hope that I get a starting position somewhere, but it's looking bleak. Um, I like I obviously just saw this before we went uh, live with the show. Uh, but I, I mean, Clay, I, I've said it before. Clay is my favorite player of all time. And Clay is one of the most entertaining players to ever grace call of duty. I like one of my first memories about competitive COD is him in his really long ponytail with babyface, spacely, um, slacked and huddle, uh, at MLG Dallas. That's one of my first memories. And he was an absolute God. Um, and he is obviously one of the greatest players in call of duty history. So it would be like absolutely horrible, at least me personally, and really in call of duty, just in general for one of the legends of this esports scene to not be a part of it going into next season. He wasn't really a part of it for the back half of the year this past season, um, but he definitely should be on a roster. Like the Vegas Legion, Legion should put him on like the bench, if if anything else, just for the attention that Clayster brings. And like he is a really good representative of an organization. Um, that's enough for me, but let's. I, I want to get your thoughts on it. Uh, about Clayser potentially not being a part of a roster next season. Yeah, that, that would be real tough. Um, it's always something for, for someone like me who's been watching competitive Call of Duty for so long. Um, you grow attached to uh, some of these older pros and you just, you know, expect to see them every year. But retirement is, you, you can't beat up father time. And even with people arguing, um, you know, age not mattering in esports, all that aside, um, with the CDL and without expansion, um, it's just been a fact and something that can't be ignored throughout these past couple of years is that some of the older players get pushed out with newer players coming in. Um, 
So yeah, even extending this to Crim Six, potentially not being on a team next year, um, without Crim and Clay in the league, it would feel really weird to me. Um, they're just two, like you said, super entertaining personalities, and um, they bring a lot to the to the league. So I I think I think both of them could you know transition to working for the CDL if they weren't competing anymore. I, th- I think Crim and Clay on the desk would be pretty good comedy. Um, it would come down to whether they actually want to do something like that. Um, they they could both even coach, really. I just, I don't, I couldn't really picture them wanting to coach. I feel like if, uh, they're, they're the type of guys that would, if they would get pissed off if um, players weren't doing something right and they would want to just take the controller and do it themselves. So um, I don't know if I could really, I mean, they, they could, I think they could be good coaches. I just don't really know if I could see them doing that. Um, regardless, I, I hope somehow at least one of them finds a way uh, to make a, make it back into the league this upcoming season because I know people talk love to talk about the um, eventuality of Scump retiring, but it would be a pretty big blow to the CDL to lose Krim and Clay or one or the other. I think you touched on it. The lack of expansion has not only hurt you know potential challengers, players that could have made the jump into the CDL if there were just any more spots available, but also for these older players that um, you know maybe aren't at the peak of their powers, but are still you know more than good enough to be in the league and to help teams win at least a few matches this season. Um, I, I think Clayster and uh, Crimsix are definitely a part of that. Where they they've really become victims to this lack of expansion. And at this point, I don't even know if the CDL will expand because it's that we're going into the fourth season and this. This, uh, you know, might be a, uh, you know, kind of a double season on uh, MW2. Uh, you know, I mean, that's a rumor, but I, I don't know really what other things like these players can do. Um, and them not being a part of the CDL and not being a part of COD Esports as a whole is like a major loss for pretty much everyone involved. Like the league should want all of these big name players like the players that kind of brought everyone into the scene or kept them around like crimson clayster scump um to that to a certain extent like slasher is also attached like these players that have been around for you know like seven eight you know obviously more years uh for some of these players but it's just gonna really suck if this isn't if this doesn't happen, I would love for him to kind of come clean about all of the stuff that happened in the negotiations um, because, I mean, that's just entertaining to me. I, I want to know what these these teams are actually doing. And if it's the Vegas Legion that or, or the one that kind of like backed out of the deal and it, it caused him, then, you know, I'm going to have to fight somebody because the Legion have caused me so much, not heartache, but just frustration over the past two years which is how bad they've been and if they cause one of the greatest players in uh, call of duty history to retire somebody's getting their butt whooped so uh, hopefully it is not the legion 
Um, but I, I think we should also mention at this time because uh, Crimps or because of Clayster, uh, Crimsick said his agent has talked with teams and he has no one that is uh, supposedly interested in him. Uh, does that surprise you? Um, and do you think he will be on a team by uh, the beginning of the next season? Right, right now, it doesn't seem like he would, but um, obviously, like I just said, I, I think he should be, and I think he needs to be. Um, obviously, based on uh, the drama situation and stuff with New York, it seems like he is not going to be back <laughs> with New York. Yeah. Um, so his, his options become a little limited there. Maybe he finds a way to get on London. That would be weird just because London's been seemingly going for the all-EU route. Um, maybe he finds a way on Vegas, but then um, it becomes a question of roles with Temp because I feel like maybe Temp's trying to want to be a main AR now, even though he has the capability to be a flex. Um, so I really think Vegas would be like one of his only options, but then it comes down to um, money if Vegas is willing to spend up to get Krim, but then at the same time, if Krim doesn't have any options, do they really have to give him um, that much money because they can basically leverage that into the situation? So uh, I don't know what's going to happen with Krim. It, like I just said before, though, it would just it'd be a shame if we don't have uh, either Krim or Clay in the league, let alone both not in. Um, so this is probably a good time to mention, uh, Crone, he dropped his potential rosters article on breakingpoint.gg. Um, this was kind of like his last like big report, uh, before he kind of, you know, kind of gives, gives it up and stops doing roster mania stuff. Uh, but he, he listed out all the teams and the, the, uh, the rumors and, you know, the reports that he's been hearing about who could be on who, um, and the Las Vegas Legion, uh, he said that Temp is confirmed, which is pretty obvious just based on him being the only player standing after uh, them blowing up their roster. Uh, but he said, early reports I had were that Clayster, TJ, and Venom could join Temp as a possible lineup, but I wouldn't put too much stock in rosters I had heard in the first week of Roster Mania, especially when it comes to Las Vegas. Um, I... And at, at this time, he has said there was a high chance that Clayster could join the Breach instead of the Legion. Um, so, you know, it's it's very possible that the team that Clayster's talking about that kind of backed out and went another way could be Boston with methods. It, it wouldn't be surprising considering the timing of, of all of this uh, happening. Um, and as far as Crim6, the only time that Crim6 is even mentioned in Crone's article is that uh, under the Florida Mutineers, he said, Asim, Gunless, Crimsick, Standy, Major Maniac, Havoc, and Challenger, and a few Challengers players uh, should all be options for this team. And that to me means like they all should be options, but it doesn't mean that like Florida's really seriously considering bringing in Crimsix. I thought last season might like before last season uh, or before the 2022 season, I thought there was a, a decent chance that Crimsix landed in Florida because the roster kind of made sense for him to be there. And I thought that roster could actually be kind of good um, with him uh, on the team. And obviously that didn't happen. He went to New York and their season was kind of a mess for pretty much the entire season. Um, 
So I don't, I don't have any faith that he'll be on a starting roster uh, to start the season. And if I had to bet one way or the other, I would say that we've seen the last of Crim Six and the CDL. Like just if you if you said like I have to bet a million dollars on him playing in the CDL at any point over the next like two years or him never playing in the CDL again, I would probably take him never playing in the CDL again because there's probably some organizations that will stay away from him because of the New York stuff. I don't really know if that's fair. I think it's all entertainment at the end of the day. And it's kind of like everybody in the call of duty community kind of wants them to be super open about all the stuff that's happening behind the scenes that they don't know about for the entire season. So it's kind of hard to blame him for that. Um, But I, I think some teams will hold it against him. And he's also just not, he's not a player that can fit with everyone. Like he has a very like uh, dominating personality, just like aches. And we saw with aches, as soon as he wasn't winning, he wasn't around the top league anymore. And he was very quickly kind of ushered out of professional call of duty. And I, I think the same could be happening to crim six over the next few months, which is really unfortunate, obviously, because we need all the good and recognizable players to stick around uh, for as long as possible. But at the end of the day, like some teams are just going to go with who's cheapest, who causes the least amount of drama and obviously who can win. And like, I mean, Crim six is, I don't say they causes drama, but he's definitely not averse to it. Um, And Last season, I, I believe he was getting paid quite a bit of money by New York, and I don't think it's gonna. I don't think another team is gonna do that. Um, let's. Uh, I, I think we should mention that Paul X, um, who was a possible, uh, who was a good teammate for Crim Six. They they seem to get along really well, uh, but he said that the only teams interested in him are London and Paris or or Vegas, whatever. Um, but the Legion and the Royal Ravens are the only teams interested in Paul X. Um, which of those rosters would you rather see him on? Uh, obviously, we don't really know what's going to happen with either team. Uh, now the Afros left London and Vegas having blown up their roster aside from Temp. Uh, but uh, of those two options, which would you prefer for Paul? I, I feel like I would have to say Vegas just because um, it would give that Vegas team a little more flexibility in terms of roles. Uh, like kind of like I was just talking about with Krim and Temp, like you could have Temp on the main AR. It seems like Paul is most comfortable on a flex. I don't know if he's ever really been the main AR on a team because even like when you think to uh, those Western teams, he was playing with Gravity. So I think he was more of the flex always and then Gravity was the main AR. So I think he could be a main AR if necessary, but if you're bringing him on, he would most likely be the flex and then Temp would be the AR and then uh, Paris or Vegas has to go after two subs in that scenario. So um, I, I think that would make a lot of sense. Again, there's a lot of questions with London right now. Um, so I don't know exactly what they're doing. He does have that pre-existing relationship with London, though. So um, I think that's good for him, you know, being in the position he's in where he has to be bought out from uh, New York. Having that relationship already established with a franchise can only help as opposed to being in, like a team like Florida that he might not have a relationship with. It could be a little bit harder. Um 
for him to convince that team to uh, pay a buyout when, as opposed to someone like London, where he he's shown them what he's capable of. He he represented them pretty well uh, in his time with them. So uh, I could see a case for both teams being made. I, I just I would prefer uh, to see him on Vegas, but obviously again it would have to. Um, that'll be a question we'll have to revisit once we know what the actual rosters are. Let's talk about this uh, this league schedule um, because this was something I completely missed when uh, I was like on my mini vacation last week. Uh, but Dixerto, uh they reported that um, there was a potential uh, schedule leak for the next season of the Call of Duty League and that the season, um, if this leak is correct, obviously, uh, the season would start in December, which would uh, kind of answer everybody's prayers about you know, let's actually capitalize on like the release of the new COD and get this thing started a lot quicker because in the past the season has, you know, kind of started in late January, early February, uh, which is, you know, several months after um, whatever Call of Duty game releases. But uh, according to these leaked documents, um, you know, the, the first set of or the first week of uh, major one qualifiers, uh, which would still be online, uh, would begin on uh, February second, uh, the weekend of February second, um, so uh, early December uh, start date for that, and then the first land tournament would be uh, the week of December sixteenth, um, and that would also be the pro am tournament. So that would move from the middle of the season um, to the very beginning of the season which would be uh, a really cool event to start off the season with. Um, what do you think of this? Because this is a really early start date for the CDL and kind of an early end date as well because champs um, would end in mid-June for this. So what do you think about that? I like it. I It's definitely different. Um, but you have to also consider that by moving the season up without having – you know, one one of the you know, aside from Vanguard is a game. One problem that the league had this year, in the eyes of many people in the community, was the drawn out breaks between uh, majors and qualifying matches, stuff like that. So unless you're looking to um, have those breaks again, there's no way to start the season earlier and not end it earlier. Um, so I I think it makes sense. Um, if this is how it goes, I, I like the idea of starting earlier, closer to the game launch, so we don't miss out, um, miss out on as much of the hype. And the potential for having the season end in, say, June, reportedly, for example, whatever, um, regardless of the status of the next game, whether we're playing a second CDL season in MW2 or if there actually is a new COD next year, uh, having this the 2023 season end in June allows for the 2024 season to potentially start even earlier than December uh, for this season, reportedly. So I think if this is, turns out to be true, it sets the CDL up for uh, potential future, uh, the, the, the best schedule that they could have in the eyes of many people. Yeah, I, uh, I actually had this conversation with our lead Ego Chow correspondent, Trimmer, um, this is probably a month ago now, um, maybe less than that, but we talked about like when the league could actually start the new season. And I personally think that the league should start 
almost immediately upon the new release date because if we're, if the players like the CDL teams and the players have to wait until the release date to actually practice the game then we've already lost because this like everybody's supposed to be paying like 20 30 million dollars for their league spots so if you can't get like early access to the game then like what's the point of even paying all that money for you know like the support to build this league and what better way to capitalize on like oh my god look at what we can do what look at what the call of duty community can do when we have thousands of people going to say los angeles to watch the best call of duty players in the world play against each other on the latest game like i think that uh, personally is a is a good idea to just capitalize on how much hype is around every release date because even three weeks after the release date which for this um you know the season will be basically starting uh, a little bit over a month after modern warfare 2 releases but like even in that month so many people stopped playing call of duty because like that's just how things go like these these games kind of die off very quickly so like being able to capitalize not only on like that christmas rush where everybody all the noobs come in and you can destroy them like around christmas and new years but being able to get on that like initial uh, launch hype i think that's really what the cdl should be striving for so if they could push this season up uh, you know they're probably not going to do it this season but maybe next season especially if we're on modern warfare 2 maybe coincide it with a, a new season release a new war zones uh, thing like just being able to kind of capitalize on all of that i think is what the cdl should and it looks like they are doing it because even uh an early december uh start date for the league is way better than what's been going on uh the past few seasons and could help bring in uh you know some more viewers and some more fans that otherwise just wouldn't have been able to focus on it um i think that about does it um you know i i, I think we can kind of hold off on uh any other stuff that we talk about because we've been here for about an hour and i know you have a fantasy draft that you have to get to um and we're also it's just the off season not a, a ton going on right now uh other than uh, some of these roster changes which some of these are uh, definitely not confirmed and who knows when they will be confirmed because some teams really like to take their sweet old time uh to announce their rosters but um do you have anything else before we get out of here nope i think um one thing i will say i just i i wanted to bring it up yeah um last show and i wanted to bring it up when we were talking about him earlier in the show and i just i forgot about it until i just literally saw a tweet uh on my timeline from him um we were talking last episode about our city's like statistical performance and stuff like that yeah and i was just going back and thinking in my head like if you think about the last series he played with atlanta phase which was um the grand finals of cod champs obviously um the moments that stick out to me like he he played that bokage s and d in the finals which could have potentially been a turning point for um the entire series because they were down 4-0 heading into that and he went 11 and 2 in that map had two 1v3s with atlanta's backs against the wall 
just to keep them in the series. Mm-hmm. And, you know, statistically, he, he drops a point nine seven in that series. Obviously, it's not the best, Katie, but it's definitely not the worst. And, you know, people, we, we've said it a, a plenty of times on the show, people put too much stock into Katie and stuff. But that was just something I wanted to bring up in particular that really stuck out to me is that, um, like, I don't want to phrase it. It's just, I think the, uh, the, the Katie argument, obviously, is something we've discussed at length about it. I don't want to get more into that, but I just feel like um, there could have been a case where, you know, you don't, you don't have Arcides on that phase team. Like maybe it was a 5-0 for uh, LAT in the grand finals of champs. And uh, he really showed up when it mattered most. And I think that's something you can't really measure in statistics and stuff like that. It's some more of the intangibles that Arcides brings to a team. So um, a little bit talking in circles here just in reference since we talked about it so early in the show, but um, I, I really think for LAT or uh, Atlanta to bring in Slasher, it might not seem like he has like such big shoes to fill because Slasher is a, a, a high quality or a quality player and uh, high profile is what I was trying to say, a high profile name, you know? So um, I, I think Regardless of all that, there's just going to be a lot of storylines around that matchup whenever we see it. And um, I, regardless of any bad blood or anything behind the scenes we don't really know about, I think Arcides can look back on his time with Atlanta Faze and be really proud about what he was able to uh, contribute and accomplish, uh, regardless of what anybody may or may not say, just based on a number like a KD. Yeah, I I definitely think you're right. And if if you want to point out like Arcee's didn't have like a great series against the Thieves, it's like Simp had a really bad series statistically too. Like he had a I think like a point six in hard point and a point six or point six five or six in S and D. It's like yeah, like it makes sense when you lose matches. Like, you're probably not going to have great games. And the Thieves were just the better team. So I, I wouldn't put really a lot of stock into it. Um, and obviously, like, Arcides, uh didn't have, like, his greatest statistical season. But, I mean, he plays with three of the most talented players, like, I've ever seen play Call of Duty. So it, it makes sense that he's not getting a ton of kills. Like, it, it's it's really not a big deal. Um but uh, it, some people, yeah, will probably look a, a little bit too much into the stats and try to, you know, kind of work backwards. They're saying like, oh, they, they have it in their mind, like Slash is a good replacement. He's better than Arcee's. And then they'll work backwards about like, okay, let's look at the stats then. But like I, I said this about Dashy potentially replacing Arcee's. I didn't know if that was a good move or not for FaZe just because like you have no idea what the team chemistry will be like and how the players will actually play together. Of course you you if you just want to put together like four incredible slang machines like that's fine but we saw Optic with their incredible dynasty roster. They didn't win every event and like they they're four of the best Call of Duty players of all time and they you know only won one champs they lost several tournaments and they obviously broke up so um i think if you're just looking at stats and you're just looking at really just kd like everybody just looks at kd um you're kind of missing the point 
and kind of team chemistry is a huge part of like why these teams are so good and so consistent like phase um but yeah we we can always talk about some of these topics more uh, as the off season goes along when I'm sure we'll be even like more desperate for news and, and something to happen in the community. Uh, but um, that does it for the today's show. Make sure to subscribe, follow, uh, or like the feed um, that the podcast is on. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, YouTube. Uh, make sure to give us five-star rating on Apple and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, he's at jbanquit2ks. I'm at Prez Byers, and the podcast Twitter is at egochowpodcast. Uh, I don't know when the next show will be um maybe next week maybe two weeks who knows um we've actually done one every week i believe for the last month or so uh kind of keeping up with the roster mania stuff and before that uh keeping up with the end of the cdl season but um we'll let you know um it, you know it'll just pop up in your feed whenever we do a next show um but maybe next week is, is really my best um way to say that uh but yeah that about does it take it away yep short and sweet this week thank you guys as always for tuning in we'll see you whenever the next time is and as always remember to send the chow